Welcome into this week's edition of The Left Turn. Hello. Jacob Blair, Trevor Mater with you. And Trevor, it's, it's only September, but that's when the IndyCar season ends, and we've got a two-time champion in Joseph Newgarden. Yeah, it was uh, that was one of the most boring championship races I think I've seen in the history of championship races. It was a neat track, uh, Laguna Seca. I really like that track, but there just wasn't a lot of excitement because, well, Colton Herta was so dominant. Um, the points cushion coming in for New Garden wasn't great, but it was comfortable enough that he could just run his race and not make mistakes. And credit to him, he did just that. He had a interesting season, to say the least. I don't think he ever trailed in points. Is that I know he I won. Rossi had the points lead for like two races at one. I know point. he won at the beginning of the season at St. Pete, and then was just so consistent. I think after Long Beach, Rossi yeah. grabbed it, and then. And he was he was just so consistent all year. Um, you know, four wins on the season at St. Petersburg, uh, Detroit, Texas, Iowa, which shows that he he was consistent on the ovals as well, and was able to get it done. Didn't make the mistakes that the other guys like Rossi and Pagano had throughout the year. And Joseph Newgarden has his second title in three seasons. Yeah. So, you know, the the, the back half of the season, yeah, he won at the ovals, but road course wise, wasn't particularly impressive but like you said just enough he, he was around and then that fifth to eighth range and that's where he ended up running on Sunday at Laguna Seca finished in the eighth position and going into the race that wasn't going to be good enough to clinch the championship if either Rossi or Pagano would win the race they did not Pagano finished fourth Rossi finished sixth so that eighth place finish for Newgarden was good enough to win the championship and that the weird part for me about this race is none of the championship contenders really all week long looked like they had cars to win the race no and you come in Newgarden sitting where he was sitting Pagano and uh, Rossi were right behind with realistic shots Scott Dixon pretty much needed those three to wreck on the first lap and then go out and try to win so he wasn't really a contender, but mathematically he was still there. And those four, Simon Pagano, the fastest car all day. Um, Scott Dixon was able to hold off Pagano for a long time. Pagano couldn't find a way to get around him. I don't know that Pagano had anything for Colton Herta, even if he got to him. I don't think he did. Um, but the, I think the two fastest cars all day were Colton Herta and Felix Rosenquist. Um, Newgarden had probably about an eighth place car. Alexander Rossi was just kind of there. We thought maybe he'd be kind of aggressive because we've seen that with him when the, the pressure the, amps up. He, he he was. He was off track multiple times in, in this race, but it just the car wasn't there. When you finish last in, in practice one, second to last in practice two, you, you take all weekend long getting a car capable of, of just running up in the, in the top five. That That's a car that that you've worked so much on. You're just trying to survive and get it good enough to compete. It's not like Colton Herta's car that, that was just dominant. He ends up with a second win of the year. Uh, the inconsistencies for Colton Herta is what ends up giving Rosenquist the rookie of the year. So that 10 car, he picks that up. Colton Herta, just some, some quick news with him, is that 88 car will be a Andretti operated car next year with the backing from Steinbrenner. So it won't be Harding Steinbrenner racing anymore. It's got this extremely long name. It's just a sixth in. It's just a fifth full-time Andretti and car now. Speaking of, of Herta and Rosenquist, those are two guys that I think in 2020 would maybe be guys that I would consider sleepers to, to contend, not only for wins, but but maybe in the points. Obviously, Pagano, 
um, Power, Dixon, Rossi, Newgarden. Those guys are going to be the, the favorites coming into next season. But Felix Rosenquist was very close to getting a couple wins this season. Colton Herta did have a couple wins this season and really, like you said, was just kind of marred by some bad luck early in the season. He won at Coda. Then his next five finishes, 24th, 23rd, 23rd, 33rd. I mean, and it was, you know, a couple crashes in there, a couple mechanical problems, but uh, he's, what, 19 years old. He's already won two IndyCar races. Uh, I think his future is very, very bright, and the backing of Andretti is, is going to help that, I think. And Colton Herta with the win will power finish second. Scott Dixon third, Simon Pagano fourth, Felix Rosenquist in the fifth position, Alexander Rossi sixth, Sebastian Bourdais seventh, Joseph Newgarden eighth, James Hinchcliffe ninth, then Ryan Hunter Ray rounded out the final top ten of the year at Laguna Seca. Santino Ferrucci was one of two cars not to finish the race after crashing at just after the midway point. Ed Jones also did not finish due to suspension problems. Connor Daly, the 25 car, another entry for Andretti Autosport, brought out the only caution of the race after spinning in turn one. Not a good day for him, and then I hope that, that people don't look at this last race for him in this Andretti car because it wasn't a great weekend, but you look at, at Andretti as a whole – really were not good this weekend. So hopefully they don't outside take that this race of, into consideration and, and Daly's can still find a full-time ride next outside year. Outside of Rossi, they, I mean, really weren't great all year when you look at the, the full-time cars they had with Marco Andretti and Zach Veach. Um, yeah, you mentioned Daly. He showed some promise this season, had a really good run at Gateway in a car, you know, that Carlin car that's normally a 12th to 17th place car. He added up there, led, led a few laps and finished six. Um, filled in for Marcus Erickson at Portland, got caught up in an accident, but I think he's shown what he can do and maybe we'll see him somewhere full-time in 2020. And in terms of silly season, we're still waiting on the McLaren entry. We know James Hinchcliffe will, will be one we, car. Is it Takuma Sato? Somebody just Takuma said, Sato uh, re-signed with Ray Hall Letterman Landigan will be in that car next year. That I, team was thinking about a third car. They, they've, for the most part, will stay at two cars they'll have that third car at indy but they're thinking going full-time in three cars they won't so the last piece we really have to fall and then that that will domino all the other waiting contracts basically is who's going to be in the second mclaren car and then once that's decided then it'll domino everything else the yeah. Santino Ferrucci go back to Dale Coyne. I think we just have to wait on, on who's in that second mclaren that's, car that's kind of the big thing is if, if Santino ends up at uh, McLaren, then who ends up going to Dale Coyne? Does Marcus Erickson end up at Dale Coyne? Do, well, you've got do they Oliver get Askew yep. who won the Indy Lights yep, title, so you know he'll be in at least three races next year, including the Indy 500 yep. because of the scholarship he gets for winning that title. So that, that, that a lot of times is if a driver leaves Dale Coyne, he'll go and sign the, the Indy Lights driver to do a lot more races. And then you don't know that the future with Carlin either this year they had uh Charlie Kimball Max Chilton just to name a few um who knows if those guys are going to be there it doesn't sound it sounds like Chilton they said during the broadcast yesterday that Chilton felt like he was going to be back in that car next year but we don't know well here's the thing if you're not going to run the ovals and someone's willing to run all the races then then Chilton could be out because we saw him after the 500 kind of bow out of the ovals which not making the Indy 500 can, can kind of hurt someone's confidence, especially when they're not used to ovals coming from overseas. I think Carlin is a place that Connor Daly could end yeah, up. Yeah, 
I, I mean, he ran some some ovals for them and stuff this year. So, yeah, I, I could see that. But you look at the final standings for IndyCar Joseph Newgarden. Again, your champion for the second time this year, or second time in his career, excuse me, Simon Pagano second, Alexander Rossi finished third, Scott Dixon fourth, Will Power fifth, Felix Rosenquist finished sixth, and also picked up Rookie of the Year, Colton Hurta seventh, Ryan Hunter eighth, Takuma Saito ninth, and then Graham Rahal, a top ten finish in points. And for the first time, we're going to crown a left-turn champion a competition between two people and one never wins anything so th- this shouldn't come to a surprise but trevor pick picks up the left turn indycar championship i'd like to thank my sponsors um yeah I, and really i just benefited from double points really if you look at it uh, the indy 500 is i don't think anyone's ever won or lost a championship based on the indy 500 but that was definitely the case for me well, i I won the championship pretty much on the Indy 500. Trevor wins the championship by 52 points. And between the Indy 500 and Laguna Seca, Trevor earned, I think, roughly 80 points in difference. 32 at Laguna Seca, and then you go to the 500, it was at 46. So yeah, 78 points. You, you bring that down, and you drop that to 16, and, and I win the championship if it's not for double points. Well, hey, I I knew what I was doing. Um, I took Will Power this week. I think you had Newgarden, and you know we came in thinking the championship contenders were going to be more of a threat than they were. And I had Power playing spoiler. I thought he had a chance at Colton Herta late in the race, and his tires kind of got away from him. And man, he was sliding in the corners and stuff. And I was thinking, please don't, please don't wreck and cost me my left turn championship. That I'm, and I'm sure that was on his mind too. Is, I'll have to go like get you like a tiny little plastic yep. trophy or something. I have I've still got here's here's the good thing for me at least in terms of actually picking winners. I was I won that two to one, which I just also, shows we're not that good at picking IndyCar winners. Yeah, I did pick the champion at the start of the year though. You did I? Did I, I had Newgarden. You had Rossi. I had Rossi. Because I picked. I think the only winner I got right was Newgarden at Iowa. Pulling up the yes. I'm, and then you had Rossi at one of the road. Rossi at Long Beach, which that one was easy. Yeah, that. And then you have Dixon at Mid Ohio. Dixon at Mid Ohio, also yeah. easy. And then we then we had the one week at Detroit where I can't remember if I had the day two winner pick to win day one. We had him flipped. Um, I can't remember, but uh, we just we weren't good at picking any car winners. I picked the day. Day the day I think it was day one's winner. I picked on day two. Day two's winner. It was you picked day one. Newgarden won day one. Dixon won day two. And I think I took Dixon day, day one, one, and you took Newgarden day two, and uh, they flipped. So we were half right on that, but it just shows we weren't so great at picking winners. We get the half win there. So yeah. what? Two and a half to one and a half. Hey, I still won the title, there. and I'm going for the NASCAR title too. I'm I'm not done yet. So it's still, still a long way to go in that one, and and the gap still within one race. Is Trevor, he, he alluded to NASCAR. We'll now talk about the... See what I did there? That was great. I've been doing this a while. <laughs> the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series at Richmond. And Martin Truex Jr., just too good for everyone else. The, the Gibbs cars, extremely quick, crossed the line one through four. Yeah. Did not stay they that didn't way. didn't cross the tech area one. Th- well, they didn't complete the tech area one through four. Um, 
I kind of I kind of felt bad for Eric Jones in that sense because he finished fourth, completed the the one through four for Gibbs, and then he's the one that that ends yeah, up getting disqualified. You know, the top four Gibbs cars. You had Truex, who was Truex and Kyle Busch were the two fastest. Denny Hamlin was fast, and then Eric Jones, like you said, the fourth fastest Gibbs car. But he also started 16th, had to work his way up to the front. Those guys all started up towards the front. Then he ends up disqualified. Up was it right height? I believe that seems to be it the was common rear toe. Rear toe is what okay. it was. So it was something different than we've had this year. Yeah, and that was the first um, cup cup disqualification we've seen. We've seen a couple in the Xfinity. I know Ryan Sieg last week, uh, Denny Hamlin at Darlington, AJ Allmendinger just about every race he's been in, um, Christopher Bell. At Chicago, we saw Brett Moffer, not Brett Moffer, Ross Chastain this year, but that's we haven't seen it. And there's only come. there's only been one win taken away. All the other disqualifications have come from second. There's two two wins taken away. Hamlin and Chastain. Forgot about the Xfinity. Yeah, how? I don't know how you forgot about that I, one. I don't you know either. Hamlin that week. Maybe um, it's because it was a Cup Series and a Cup you, driver in the Xfinity Do you series, think but. with the fact that now that we get to the playoffs, all playoff cars are teched each week, maybe we'll see you know, another disqualification or two throughout the postseason considering all playoff cars are, are going to be teched pretty closely? I'm going to give you a short answer is yes. Yeah. I, th- I think and, it, and it could be someone that, like, for example – Kurt Busch finished 18th in this race. If they're all getting teched, it could end up being someone that is just going to add yeah, an Alex to Bowman. bad I mean, finish. And you look at Eric Jones this week. He came in 20, it was 26 out coming in. He said, I don't feel like we're in a must win to advance. Went out there, ran the race that it looked like they had to to do. They were think, sitting just two behind. And then obviously you throw in the disqualification, and now he's uh, he's in a must win this week. Mathematically, he isn't, but he, he is. He is in this race. Martin Truex Jr. led 109 laps, but really late in the race, had the the fastest car. Uh, what? Well, Recky Spinhouse. He he came into play, spun the leader at one point late in the race. Thought that would do it for Martin Truex. Nope, came back, won the race. So a spin and win for Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, Truex got really fortunate there. That was happening kind of during the pit cycles. Um, Stenhouse just kind of came in the corner a little too hot, locked up the brakes, and, and Truex was right there. It obviously wasn't anything intentional. Um, I think the other thing with that, that like, with NASCAR compared to local racing and such, is Truex got that car going, only lost a few positions yeah. because he got it turned around, refired, and then, and and then got everybody. Going pitted as well and he came out third i think he was third, was third. right behind keselowski and kyle bush on the restart so yeah i mean a normal race he might have been back 12th 15th 18th and his night would have probably been done but kind of caught a break there and took advantage of it and this is a team i actually had them getting bounced out of the round of 12 because i haven't been impressed with them the second half of the season but it's like him and cole pern have found a switch the last couple weeks and they're starting to look like real threats for the rest of the postseason. So again, Martin Truex Jr. picks up the win. Kyle Busch in the second position. Denny Hamlin third. Brad Keselowski fourth. Ryan Newman <laughs> finished fifth and is sitting in a decent spot to move on to the round of 12. We'll get to Ryan here in a minute just because it, it, it gets funny just watching Ryan Newman do his job. It's amazing. Um, I go back to 2014, the first year of the playoffs, and 
you know, everyone was so curious how the playoffs were going to work. And NASCAR was trying to emphasize so much that winning meant a lot. And then here's Ryan Newman that year who probably should, wouldn't have been in the chase if there'd have been a chase instead of the playoffs. And he gets to round 12 and you're like, all right, good for Newman. Then he gets to the round of eight and you're like, Hey, Ryan Newman's in the round of eight. That's weird. Then he gets to the championship four and you're like with Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick. And you're like, one of these does not, does not look like the other one. And then he almost wins the championship. I don't think we're going to see that performance from Ryan Newman this year, but he's definitely making that six car faster than it's been the last couple of years. And actually go back and look at Ryan Newman's finishes in 2014 in the playoffs, 15th, 18th, 8th, 6th, 7th, 5th, 3rd, 15th, 11th, 2nd. It, it, it's Ryan Newman. Trevor. Yeah. For, for years, Ryan Newman will just, I mean, he, he, he overachieved here at Richmond. He finished 5th. Which that is was, one That of was the, like three or four spots. It's one of his better tracks. It was three or four spots better than he normally is. So, th- there, there's that. He... Also was able to, to pick up some stage points, which was also not part of what Ryan yeah. Newman does. He normally doesn't get any stage points, but he finished fifth. Kyle Larson finishes sixth. Kevin Harvick seventh. Clint Boyer in eighth. Daniel Suarez ninth. Jimmy Johnson picks up a top ten. Other playoff drivers, Joey Logano in 11th. Chase Elliott 13th. Eric Almarola 16th. Ryan Blaney 17th. Kurt Busch 18th. Alex Bowman, 23rd, William Byron, 24th, and then Eric Jones. After crossing the start-finish line at the end of the race, 4th gets credited with a 38th place finish after failing post-race technical inspection. Yeah, Alex Bowman got caught up in an accident early on with Austin Dillon, um, and then William Byron was kind of a victim of that as well. Bowman came into the corner maybe a little bit hotter than he'd like to. Um, made contact with Austin Dillon, which sent Austin Dillon up into William Byron. It cut a tire for William Byron. Austin Dillon wasn't super thrilled with that. He took it into his own hands and turned around to um, Alex Bowman, which actually probably saved William Byron from cutting a tire and and hitting the wall and completely ruining his day. Uh, Kurt Busch just never really was a factor. Neither was Ryan Blaney, which this is statistically one of Ryan Blaney's worst tracks, so that shouldn't be surprising. The disappointing one for me kind of is Chase Elliott. He had a good qualifying run, started third, um, was up in the top five, top ten, most of stage one, picked up stage points in both stages, and then ends up finishing in the 13th position. Uh, the rest of the top ten of the playoff drivers, Brad Keselowski, I think they needed another run like this. They sucked the second half of the regular season. Now they've got a third and a fourth in two playoff races. So keeping on that two machine, um, our man Ryan Newman, just doing what he does. Kyle Larson ran well. And then Clint Boyer, this is one of his better tracks. He needed to run like this to help him going into the Roval next week. And as we look at the points headed to the Roval, Martin Truex Jr. moved on. He, he already moved on after his win one week ago. Yeah, he's, and then just, he's good. So Martin Tricks Jr. moving on. Kevin Harvick, 69 above the cut line. Move him to the round of 12. He will be in on points no matter what, as 60 is the max for the event. 56 is actually the max. If you're 56, uh, I I was reading this here. If you're 56 ahead of the cut line, you're good. Okay. I can't remember what the Bob Pockers had tweeted it. So um, if you're plus, there's some weird math, yeah, I, I, I believe you. you. Get, 
I haven't I haven't seen that, but don't I you get it? Is it weird math? Is it a minimum of like four points or one point? It's a minimum of one. So, okay, I guess like the max would be fifty nine, but then, yeah, it's I don't remember what it because is because. Okay, I think I know where you're going because of where the rest of the playoff drivers sit. It's fifty six because if you finish somewhere, someone then yeah. not everyone can win the race. Yeah, so you're it's, in. It's weird. I I want to say that it was that Bob Pockers had tweeted that it's fifty six. There's so some math. We're not we're not yeah. going to do calculus here. No, we don't <laughs> want that. But it's plus. Either way, here, Kevin here's Harvick's the thing: in. the max is sixty for a race. Kevin Harvick sixty nine. Yeah, he's, he's good. in. He's good. Kyle Busch sixty six above the cut he's line. In. We'll see him in the round of twelve. Brad Keselowski fifty five above the cut he's line. He's just got to pretty much start the race, and he's good. He, Pretty much. Denny Hamlin, 54 above the cut line. Same idea for him. Joey Logano, 50, extremely safe. Just needs to not wreck on lap one and then have the, all the guys around the cut line finish first through fifth. The rest of it's where it gets kind of interesting. Chase Elliott in seventh has a semi-comfortable gap at 37, so he just needs to if keep he, anything from going wrong. If he finishes 13th again this week, he should be sitting good. Kyle Larson. 25 above the cut line that that's enough of a gap where again if he just but, i mean you throw in the stage points he just needs to go out and have a, a solid run he doesn't need to go out and, and if he finishes six again if this we week, don't hear about kyle larson all race long he's probably moving on to the next round probably then ryan newman 14 above the cut line. After two races, I didn't think I'd, I'd say ryan newman 14 above i the thought cut we'd line, see newman like right around the bubble um I debated putting him in the round of 12 just because I thought it'd be something new, but I thought he'd like sneak his way in right now. He's just driving his way in. Ryan Blaney seated 10th, eight above the cut line. Eric Almarola, three above the cut line. William Byron, two above the cut line. Alex Bowman, he's two back. Clint Boyer's four back. Kurt Busch is 14 back. And then Eric Jones in a must-win situation, 45 back. So exclude Eric Jones from this because, like you said, he's he's in a must-win pretty much. Going from Ryan Newman to Kurt Busch, that's seven drivers separated by 26 points. And you throw in the stage points and stuff, you can gain up to 20 points on somebody. This is going to be fun to keep an eye on this week. And you throw in how crazy the Roval, we expect the Roval to be. I'm excited for this. Like we're going to talk about the Roval, preview the Roval, the, the last part of this show, and uh, I pick first for that. And when we get there, I still don't have yeah. a pick in mind. Yeah, I think we know where we're going with the Xfinity because it's a little easier. But yeah, the Cup, I, I, I got nothing yet. So when we get there here in in, in twenty minutes or so, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what we pick because we don't know yet. Yeah, and there's only one race, a sample size to go off of, and it was such a crazy race that it's it's tough to tell. And I'm with my left turn point standing lead right now. I'm I want to be cautious, scary. but it's this is like this is a make or break week for me. If I come out and can somehow catch a break and gain 25, 30 points off of you, I'm gonna be sitting good for the final fifteen races or whatever left this season. But if well, but this is also where you can get back into it. Since Trevor mentioned it, we'll talk about the left turn point standings on the NASCAR side. We already crowned our IndyCar champion here. Is I, I really hope I win something in NASCAR so I don't have to. Aren't you leading the winners points in that too? I'm leading the winners and the trucks. Yeah, you're barely leading 
Are you barely in the tracks? I, I got can't. a 32 point lead. That's right. M finger. It was close, and M finger screwed me. We actually, we, we actually did pretty good th- this past. We've weekend. gotten better at this whole picking thing. It took us the first half of the season, when, I, but I think also you know, like the first half of the season, we were going weird picks. Like I was picking Ryan Blaney, and um, I think I picked Alex Bowman one week. There's a lot and, of Kyle Larson's. Yeah, and we were just getting weird. Now it's like okay, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin. Like we've pretty much stuck to the same four. And and any time we go out of it, it doesn't work. Like and I picked Joey Logano. Well, there was the one week I think I picked Eric Jones at Pocono, and he got second. Um, and then our Daytona picks somehow turned out to actually yeah, be William Byron and Matt DiBenedetto. And it, I got second, you got eighth, which was weird. But anyways, so this week I had Kyle Busch brought home a second. Trevor had Denny Hamlin brought home a third. Xfinity wise, which we'll talk to, talk about that after the left turn point standing update. He had. Trevor had Christopher Bell. He got the win. I finally got Christopher Bell to get a win for me. And I had Justin Allgaier, who finished fourth. So a first, second, third, and fourth among all uh, th- this weekend between our four picks. Trevor first and third. I me second and fourth. Trevor benefits from getting the win and those five extra points. We look at the left turn point standings. Trevor up 56 now, 2,088 to 2,032. Winners points wise now twenty six to twenty two in favor of me. But looking at the Xfinity series, Christopher Bell ends up with the win at Richmond. He will yeah, move on to the round. Not of really eight. a lot to talk about in this race. Is there? He uh, he well, dominated like two hundred and fifty, and he led two hundred and thirty. Yeah. Austin Sendrick finished second. Cole Custer third. Justin Allgaier fourth. Chase Briscoe fifth. Noah Gragson seventh. Harrison Burton finished sixth. I was going playoff drivers and skipped Harrison there. So Harrison, the first non-playoff driver, Gregson seventh. Zane Smith in eighth. Michael Annette in ninth. Tyler Reddick, tenth. Then your other playoff drivers, Brandon Jones in 11th. Ryan Sieg in 12th. John Hunter Nemechek in 15th. And then Justin Haley in 17th. Before we get to the playoff standings, the, the only real thing to talk about other than Christopher Bell was just dominant was Joe Graff Jr. and John Hunter Nemechek wrecking each other after the checkered flag. Joe Graff for that 14th position moved John Hunter Nemechek out of the way on the last lap. And Nemechek decided he didn't like that and went and not only took Graff out, but took himself out after the checkered flag. Yeah, that's kind of a... a- tricky thing i guess because john hernemachek's racing for a championship every point he can get is important but at the same time joe graff jr is racing to prove himself so he wants every position he can get i don't know if moving someone out of the way for 14th is, is really all that impressive i don't think so either i mean but i you could make the argument that you can understand why he was thinking that but it's not like they're running for third so yeah, I I don't understand the whole bumping him out of the you, way for 14. one. You gain no respect yeah. doing that because one, it's a playoff driver and it's for 14th. 14th, we're not one even, lap down. Yeah, we're not even talking a top 10. So and then and then if you're John Hunter Nemechek, if you're gonna take someone out after the checkered flag, you you gotta you gotta take him out and then move on. You you can't spin yourself too. Yeah, that was a rookie mistake on his part. I'm sure he'll get better at that. 
Yeah, I mean, everyone everyone's young in the Xfinity series. They don't have the experience yeah, I mean, getting well, mad look, yet. Look at William Byron earlier this year with Kyle Busch at Watkins Glen when he tore his car up way more than Kyle did his. So those Xfinity standings here in the round of 12, one race in, two races to go before we make the round of eight. Christopher Bell already moved on. Cole Custer, 60 above the cut line. Tyler Reddick, 38. Austin Sendrick, 34. Justin Allgaier in fifth, 21 above the cut line. Michael Annette, sixth, 18 above the cut line. Chase Briscoe, seventh, 17 above the cut line. And then Noah Gragson in eighth, 15 above the cut line. Brandon Jones, He's the first car out, minus 15. Ryan Sieg in 10th, minus 19. Justin Haley, he's in 11th, minus 20. And then John Hunter Nemechek in 12th, minus 21. I think I have the t- the four out nailed right now. I think I had Haley out. I can't remember. I know I had Brandon Jones, Sieg, and uh, Nemechek out. So, yeah, I'm sitting pretty well on that end of it. And right now those four, one of them is going to have – one of the top eight is going to have to make a big mistake or one of the bottom four is going to have to win, I think, for that to really be a threat. 15 points in the Xfinity Series is a lot harder to make up than it is in the Cup Series. Except we're going to the Roval. Yeah, that's a good point. The Roval is the wild card of both these, this Xfinity round and the Cup Series round. One race sample size, which we know isn't much to go off of, especially with the race last year. A couple modifications to the racetrack, the chicane on the back straightaway. They widen that out a little bit. It's not near as tight, so that'll be a little bit better there. But I still love the fact that Charlotte did this. I love the fact that we've got a Roval in the playoffs. I want to see IndyCar go there. Now... now now you now you want me, now you have me wanting that to happen. You mean you didn't want it to happen before? I hadn't thought of it. I I'm serious. Run a double weekend. Run. I know that NASCAR and IndyCar have been yeah. in talks of how they how to run a double weekend. They great, didn't get it done. Be for a this great next place season, to but. bring IndyCar to Charlotte. Um, you could run. What, what aero package would IndyCar have to go? That with? I that don't would know. Be, that would I be mean, interesting. What what. I don't even know of what road course it would kind of resemble it on the. Would, I mean, there really isn't one. See, now you've got me wondering. Like, should should any car go to Daytona and run the road course there? Yeah, I mean, I think they should. I I'd be all for that. I'm for as many grand sporting events. I'd love to see any car at Darlington. I'm for as many grand sporting events that we can get for this sport. As possible. I think, just to, like, we're kind of joking around, but on a serious note, to me, there there needs to be one, maybe two more ovals on the IndyCar schedule because ovals are what make that series different. Adding adding the oval, say, at Charlotte would be a a good way to kind of hybrid that because it is a oval. Yeah. But you you appease some of the oval fans because the cars will be on all four corners of the you, oval, but then you have the road course in the middle, so the, the you look oval at, speeds aren't You look at the high. 2020 IndyCar schedule, they've got 17 races, counting the doubleheader at, at Belle Isle. They've got five ovals. They've got Indy, Texas, Richmond, Iowa, Gateway. I say add three races. Add Darlington, add the Roval, and then go like somewhere like Kansas. Boom. You've got enough ovals. You're keeping the road courses you want. You get the Roval, so you really kind of will have like 12 and a half road courses and seven and a half ovals 
And I think people would tune in for that. I think that'd be something to be really cool. Well, we've talked about before. We think the IndyCar schedule needs to have three races added. So it's at 20. Yeah, I'd say so. between 20 and 23. 20 is fine with me. I don't think 17 is enough. Um, go 20. Put them at the put them at the Roval. Let's let's do it. And if you want to make the, um, I think logistically it'd probably be a nightmare to have three series running at the Roval in one week. Put the Xfinity in the IndyCar one weekend, or put the trucks in the put the truck. Let's do, put the trucks at the Roval. Let's get <laughs> let's get real weird here. Run a truck IndyCar weekend like we've seen. Then run a you know do that in July or whenever it works. Then do it. The the Roval in the playoffs. Here here's an idea. You run in the summer, the trucks in the the Xfinity series. Then run the Cup in the IndyCar like a Saturday IndyCar, Sunday. Put the Cup series Saturday night under the lights. Yeah, I don't know how well I don't know how well that'd work. Um, I don't know if would the lighting be okay for that. They, they, they probably have to add some, but I mean yeah, they've, add, I, no, they've added so much. See, I was trying to base mine around the fact you couldn't run them at night, but if we're doing that, we might as well just go Saturday truck, Saturday night Xfinity, Sunday. IndyCar, because those guys aren't going to run road courses under the lights. <laughs> then go Sunday night cup. Like, let's just do a four races in two days. Like, this is why if we're, that happened, I probably would go. This is why we're not in charge of NASCAR, everybody, because our ideas sound great when they're just ideas, but they'd be logistical nightmares. Well, uh, too many people would have to agree upon too many things. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. But it, but it sounds like a great idea on on. Well, yeah, but I think we think every idea we have sounds like a great idea. I mean, we're just kind of coming up with these on the yeah. spot right now, though. Yeah. I mean, we haven't thought about them too much. No. So I guess it's kind of impressive. So with the Roval, you're going to have the Xfinity Series on Saturday. That'll be a 2.30 start on NBCSN, the Cup Series, on Sunday their Roval 400 at 1.30 on NBC. The playoff, the final round of the round of 16 in the playoffs for the Cup Series, with the bubble being so close for the Cup Series right now. So many drivers still having a chance to, to either move in, others to fall out, and then you have the wild card that is their Roval. This is going to be fun on Sunday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we saw last year how crazy those were um i don't expect this to be any different so let's start with the xfinity series again that race on saturday at 2 30 i get first pick i'm going austin Cindric. he's good on road courses i'm gonna play it safe and take the 22 car yeah i kind of feared you were gonna do that um the guy I'm going to pick has ran four races this year. He's been disqualified in two of them, so he's just as likely to get disqualified as he is scoring me points. But I'm going to go A.J. Allmendinger. He had a good showing in, in the cup car this year, or last year at this track. Um, has ran well in the Xfinity Series this year, just hasn't been able to tech well. I'm going to gamble and, and go with A.J. Allmendinger, and my weekend just got a lot more nervous. Well, it is the Roval, so it should already be nervous anyways. Cup Series-wise, do you have your pick yet? I've got mine if you've got yours. I'm just going to wing it because mine <laughs> totally depends on what you pick. Well, uh, I'm going to go with the driver that has won the last two races, yeah. should have won the race last year, 
before Jimmy Johnson knocked him out of the race and Johnson himself out of the playoffs. I'm going to go Martin Truex Jr. just because he was looked good last year because again, we we don't have that that sample size and and I got to I got to get some points back and I think Truex even if he doesn't win can have a have a good run. Uh, crap. I'm going to go the guy that I think would have won the race last year if he'd remembered how to go into that first turn on a restart. And he's, you know, I said earlier he's been struggling, but he's ran really well the last couple of weeks. I'm gambling, but I'm going to go Brad Keselowski. I've got no faith in it whatsoever, and this is probably where I lose the left-turn championship with AJ Allmendinger and Brad Keselowski. I'm but so glad I got to pick first both times this who would, If I had taken Truex, which is what I was hoping you wouldn't take, who would you have taken? I have no idea. That's I. I might have gone Blaney because he won last year. That's but then he like he won last year, but it was such a weird race where he he had the fourth best car, or fifth best car all day, and everyone else just crashed. I wanted to go Kyle Busch. Part, part of me wanted to go someone just completely out of nowhere. I debated like a Matt DiBenedetto, but then or Ryan Newman. Yeah, or someone like. But I'm I'm gonna go Brad Keselowski. He's been consistent the last couple weeks. He he ran well at this track. He's a He's not like a great road course racer, but he's consistently there. Um, so I'm points racing at this point. If he can just get in the top 10, I'll take it. I think that's what we're both hoping yeah. for with both of our picks is, is just get out of the Roval with limited damage. Yes, like if very I'm, much. If I'm still down 56 coming out of the Roval, I'll be happy. And if I'm up by less than by more than 35, I'm happy. Like, I just want to get at it. And if I can gain some points in the process, I'm fine with that, too. The, the weird thing about this this competition that only really us us two care about, though, is we feel some of uh, a very scaled-down version of some of that anxiety heading to this race. Yeah, I can't imagine what they actually feel like. Especially those drivers that are two, four above, above or below the cut line. Heading to this race, lots still unknown. And it, it is that that wild card event, but when you look at the playoff standings, Trevor, who do you think this week it, it, does the playoff standings stay the same? Does someone move their way in, or who falls out? Oh man, that's a tough question. Eric Jones in a must win. I just picked that he isn't going to win, so he's out for me. The rest of it, flip a coin. Um, Kurt Busch is a good road racer. He finished he finished third or fourth last i don't remember he won the pole last year led some laps there um william byron's been all right on the road courses clint boyer ran well there last year i'm gonna say eric almarola doesn't get in i'm gonna say eric jones doesn't get in i'm gonna say kurt bush stays out and i'm gonna say clint boyer i'm gonna say clint boyer and kurt bush get in bumping out um, Eric Almarola, and I think maybe it comes crashing down for Ryan Newman. So you think William Byron? I think William Byron somehow finds a way to stay in. For me, I, I agree. I think Clint Boyer finds a way to, to work into the round of twelve, and William Byron doesn't make it. And then I think Kurt Busch will earn some stage points. Well, and we've seen this year on the out. road courses. William Byron is so good at qualifying. And then staying up in the top ten to get some stage points. That's I that's kind of what I see them doing is trimming the car out to where they can qualify well, get some stage points, put themselves in a position to get stage points at the end of stage two, and then finish like tenth. So I've got my four outs. 
which are completely different than what I had at the start of the playoffs. I've got uh, Almirola, Newman, Bowman, and Jones. And I think at the beginning of the playoffs, I had Almirola, Newman, Bowman, and Boyer. So it's not that much different. And I think Boyer and Bush will bump their way in. It'll be Almirola and Byron that fall out. And you mentioned that the first race here was a little bit odd. Ryan Blaney got the win. Jamie McMurray finished in second, but this was after Truex and and Jimmy crashed there on the last lap. Clint Boyer, he finished third. Alex Bowman, he finished fourth at the Roval last year. Kurt Busch fifth. Chase Elliott in the sixth position. A.J. Allmendinger finished seventh. He's no longer in the series. Neither is McMurray. Jimmy Johnson eighth. Kevin Harvick ninth. Joey Logano in the tenth position. Ryan Newman. Of course, finished 11th last year at the Roval. Because if you just look at where Ryan Newman finishes, it, it's kind it's of... It's between 8th and 13th. Like it's Denny Hamlin finished 12th. Martin Truex, 14th. Eric Amarola, he finished 19th last year. Kyle Larson finished 25th. Eric Jones finished 30th. Brad Keselowski, 31st. Kyle Busch, 30, 32nd. William Byron was 34th. And so, and a lot of those drivers taken out by by crashes is it was a wild race. But when you go back and look at last year's, you know, kind of you get some wild cards. You get some some guys that are going to have good runs you're not used to. But but really, I think for a lot of these drivers, the key thing is just going to be to finish this race. Yeah, you just want to stay out of the accidents. Um, and you know the guys like Kurt Busch, Clint Boyer that are on the outside looking in, they. They need to go out there and try to get as many points as they can. But if you're a guy like Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, um, even Joey Logano, who's sitting comfortable, but you you definitely want to play that first stage pretty safe. Yeah, so, again, the Roval for the Cup Series will be the Bank of America Roval 400, 130 Sunday on NBC. And then for the Xfinity Series, the Drive for the Cure 200 at the Roval. It'll be Friday, or excuse me, Saturday at 2.30 on NBCSN. The Xfinity Series, race number two of the round of 12, the Cup Series. It is the cutoff race for the round of 16. After that, it'll be Dover, Talladega, Kansas for the round of 12, then Martinsville, Texas, and Phoenix for the round of eight, and then Homestead for the champion. And again, the Roval. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. That'll do it for us here on the left turn. Trevor Mater, I'm Jacob Blair. Thanks for tuning in.